What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. Quick hits. I'm your man, GB Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are doing well. Boy, there's always so much going on in the world of pro wrestling, and the great opportunity we have is for us to be able to talk about it and dialogue about it here on this podcast. So thank you so much for the opportunity to allow us into your homes, your place of business, the gym, wherever you're hanging out. We really, really appreciate it. Shouts to everybody. Everybody who joins us on the socials at the Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. That is wildly appreciated. Big shouts to all of you who are subscribed to our podcast uh, in a lot of different places. And one of the newest places, and this is kind of a soft announcement, but I don't want to wait anymore, is Spotify. Yes, you can now check us out on Spotify. So if you're not an Apple person or a Google person and you just kind of found your way or you have some friends who are Spotify people, tell them you can find us on Spotify as well and we'll be expanding that footprint very, very soon. So with all of that said, simply put, thank you. We really appreciate it. Now then, let's go back to Monday Night Raw and the ratings because you're going to find this to be incredibly interesting. So this week's episode of Monday Night Raw brought in 1.549 million viewers, which is down roughly 8.2% from last week's 1.689 million viewers. It's the hourly breakdown that gets incredibly interesting. So hour one had 1.654 million viewers. Hour two had 1.621 million viewers. But that hour three 1.373 million viewers. 250,000 people left Monday Night Raw during the third hour. So let's put that into perspective. Raw ranked number 20 for the night in viewership on cable. That was behind the NFL on ESPN, Monday Night Kickoff on ESPN. Tucker Carlson tonight and a lot of other interesting shows. Last week, Raw was number 17 for the night in viewership. But here's where, again, this gets incredibly interesting. That third hour where they lost 250,000 viewers is incredible. First of all, it is the lowest third hour audience in the history of Monday Night Raw. You heard me right. 28 years of Monday Night Raw, this past Monday's third hour was the lowest third hour ever. On top of that, the overall audience is the third lowest audience in the show's history. So as I told you last week when we were talking about Monday Night Raw, the answer to all of this is not found in the return of the fans. The answer is found in content issues. And so, WWE has been fighting Monday Night Football for 28 years, right? They've been fighting all other sorts of sports that show up on Monday nights. So, that's not the issue. The issue is a content issue. And there's something serious that happened such that hour three, they lost 250,000 viewers. So, let me start by asking you, how do you watch Monday Night Raw if you watch it? 
Truth be told, a three-hour show is a pretty heavy investment, particularly if the content isn't exactly what you want to see. Three hours anywhere is difficult. We don't see three-hour movies anymore, right? So it's a big ask of people. And it's interesting that the first two hours did so much better than hour number three. So how do you watch Monday Night Raw if you watch it? Do you watch it live? Do you watch it on demand? Do you watch it via Twitter or Raw Highlights on YouTube? I'm intrigued to know that. So hit us up in the comments right now and tell us how you watch Monday Night Raw. This has to be concerning for USA and for WWE, regardless of what they say about it. And for those who want to put this on Big E as WWE champion, I think it's important to note that Big E wrestled in hour two. He didn't wrestle in hour three. So it's not Big E's fault. Though the champion in any era seems to have to bear the brunt of it. I think it is a full effort that needs to be made on Monday Night Raw. And again, the fact that you lost 300,000 folks is crazy. That's crazy. That's a crazy number, folks. And again, not week over week, but second hour to third hour and again this wasn't an NFL championship week this was not you know some major thing that was happening in the sports world that would cause everyone to turn so WWE has some real thinking to do about that third hour because this is concerning to say the least and I gotta tell you straight up Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins with no championship on the line is not how you close the show. Yes, Kevin Owens turned on Big E and the like, but I will say I'm much like CM Punk in this regard. I think whoever your champion is should end the show regardless. It's your number one guy. Like you wouldn't have Roman Reigns showing up to wrestle at the top of hour two of SmackDown. That just wouldn't happen. So I think that's really interesting for Monday Night Raw. There needs to be a massive overhaul. The problem is Monday Night Raw just has not taken the time to do the things that need to be done and commit to what needs to be done. So this is going to be very interesting to see how Monday Night Raw responds to all of this. Yeah, uh, and I don't know, outside of obviously the Big E Championship win, what else they will need to do. I will also say this, I think it's very interesting that all of the WWE title changes that have happened, as in for the WWE Championship this year, have all happened on episodes of Monday Night Raw. They've not happened on pay-per-views and other spaces. They're trying to do things to boost those ratings, but I think they're still struggling in trying to figure that out. With that said, when we return, we posed a question to you on the socials. We'll start giving some of our answers when we return. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm going to start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were going to start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content, but that I started to see 
all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perceptions, reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book and Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, all right, guys. So one of the things that we put out to you on the socials earlier today is a question about the Survivor Series. With the Survivor Series less than two weeks away, the big question now is what are some of your favorite Survivor Series moments? So we're going to, over the next couple of weeks, unpack some of these moments. Some of you have shared some pretty cool moments. So before I get to them, I want to just kind of give us some interesting notes and facts about the Survivor Series. Now, the Survivor Series is the second longest running pay-per-view in WWE history behind WrestleMania. And again, it's not just WWE history. It's all of wrestling history, which is intriguing. Okay, the first Survivor Series took place in 1987, following the incredible success of WrestleMania 3. And if you remember, if you go back and watch this, man, they had 10-man tags and all kinds of craziness for the Survivor Series. It was usually either on Thanksgiving Day or Thanksgiving Eve. The first three years were on Thanksgiving Day. Then that was followed for the next three to four years by Thanksgiving Eve. And then since 1995, it's been held the Sunday before Thanksgiving with a couple of exceptions. And one of those exceptions, of course, being the ever famous 1997 Survivor Series, which had the Montreal screw job. So one of the things that has typically happened in Survivor Series has been elimination tag matches. And usually there is a sole survivor or multiple survivors. We've seen a couple of occasions where there have been whole teams that have survived and the like in recent memory survivor series has now become the place where we've seen battles for brand supremacy raw versus smackdown now i say battles for brand supremacy but the truth of it is there hasn't really been a lot of meaning to it so if raw wins a number of matches there's no real consequence for SmackDown losing outside of some of their pride being hurt, right? Of course, we had two years ago where NXT was involved and NXT actually won that Survivor Series, which I thought was amazing and the right thing to do. Still hard to believe that this year, 
NXT will have nothing to do with the Survivor Series. And side note, this is really important, a quick tangent about NXT. There are no NXT takeovers planned. You notice in times past, there was an NXT takeover happening at the Survivor Series weekend. Who can forget 2019 NXT takeover that happened that featured war games. And then the next night, those folks came back and tore the house down at Survivor Series. I honestly feel like one of my own personal favorite moments was NXT winning the Survivor Series in 2019. But the fact that we may have seen our final NXT takeover, it kind of punches you in the gut a bit, if you're honest. I mean, for me, NXT takeover was among the most consistent things that WWE ever produced. Doesn't seem like that's going to be happening anymore. So it looks like NXT 37 or 36, whichever number that was, maybe the last one. Because we've not seen an NXT takeover since. Yeah, there's a frightening thought right back then to the survivor series lots of amazing moments and one of the big things that has been talked about certainly on the socials and on wwe television have been the debuts at the survivor series so today i'm gonna take a few moments to talk about some of those debuts one of the first big debuts we saw of course was 1990 the debut of the undertaker and there is a bit of revisionist history that has happened because of course when you see it on television it is announced as the undertaker but when he actually debuted at survivor series in 1990 he debuted as kane the undertaker now, the reason, of course, that that's important is because seven years later, 1997, at the Hell in a Cell event, the inaugural one, would be the actual debut of the real Kane, who would become The Undertaker's brother, and they would be known as the Brothers of Destruction. But Kane was originally the name given to The Undertaker at the Survivor Series 1990. And speaking of The Undertaker, it would be 1991, where we would see for the first time ever the WWE Championship change hands as The Undertaker became the WWE Champion in 1991 by defeating Hulk Hogan in some controversial circumstances. But The Undertaker, one of the most significant debuts in Survivor Series history. Then we go to 1996 for the debut of The Rock in Madison Square Garden at the Survivor Series, another one inside of a Survivor Series match, and he ended up being one of the sole survivors. And of course, we know how things worked out for The Rock. Of course, he debuted as Rocky Maivia. A couple of months later, he would win the Intercontinental Championship, and then from there, he would undergo a massive, massive repackaging simply because the fans weren't feeling Rocky Maivia. He would go ahead and make a heel turn. Then he'd ultimately end up as part of the Nation of Domination. He was also part of the corporation where in 1998, where really kind of the heel turn happened, that's where he became the WWE champion for the first time, winning a tournament at Survivor Series. So a lot of really neat moments there talking about debuts. Let's talk about another debut, which I knew would be near and dear to the heart of one James White. And it's the debut that the WWE did not talk about on their package about Survivor Series debuts this past Monday on Raw. That is the debut of Sting in 2014. Sting, what a debut this was. Of course, it was a battle between 
what one could call the corporation this time headed by Triple H. And really, there was a lot on the line. People were going to be fired if they lost that match. John Cena had been eliminated as the captain. And so it really came down to Dolph Ziggler and the other four members of this incredible crew. The lights go out. Here comes Sting. Shocks the world. An incredible debut. Game-changing moment. And remember, it was the first Survivor Series to air live on the WWE Network. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Unfortunately, if you followed Sting's WWE career, it seems as though that debut was the highlight of Sting's WWE foray, which is why there are those who are very happy that his AEW opportunity has come about and he's being treated much more like the legendary Sting versus WCW's last remaining soldier, which is how he was treated in the WWE. So those are some big moments surrounding debuts at the Survivor Series. We'll continue to talk about more of these moments in the coming days, one of them mentioned by our good friend WrestleManiac, uh, who talked about the debut of the Elimination Chamber. We'll get into all of those kinds of things on a future episode. But yeah, Survivor Series has been a place where people have debuted and there have been some pretty monumental moments. What's your favorite Survivor Series moment? Let us know on the socials. We have a post up right now about that, so let us know. And uh, we will likely shout you out on a future episode as we continue our conversation about the Survivor Series. Remember tonight, the final episode of Dynamite before the big pay-per-view happens this weekend. That should be pretty epic. Full Gear is shaping up to be a significant moment for sure. And then, of course, we've got AEW Rampage this Friday along with SmackDown and all sorts of other goodies. So it should be a big weekend in the world of pro wrestling. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Have an absolutely amazing day. Until next time, representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name is Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I my people here.